This is 128 Bits, a podcast about the most influential period of video games, what is known as the sixth generation, the Dreamcast, PS2, GameCube, and Xbox era. And for these few episodes, we are doing something special here on 128s because usually we talk about one standout game from the generation and go in depth about its background and all kinds of stuff. But today and for these next few episodes, instead we thought a great way to highlight how great this generation was, was to hold an auction draft. So that's what we've been doing for the last two episodes. By now, if you've listened to the other two, you should be familiar with the format. But as always, I am joined by uh, Adrian and Joseph. So uh, first of all, how are you, Joseph? Doing good. Yep, Adrian? To get into this one. Doing all right. Getting, getting ready to spend some imaginary money. <laughs> yeah, the best kind of spending. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. Our goal is to curate the best five-game experience across all 128-bit consoles for a given year. In this case, it's the year of 2002. So we're going to assemble the best gaming experience possible, and we define that as however we want to. So the format is an auction draft. Whosoever turn it is gets to pick a game and have a starting bid. The other two can bet on it. And at the end of one minute, whoever has the highest bid keeps the game on their roster. We all have 1,000 bits, or that's imaginary money, uh, to auction on. And uh, so, yeah, once the round is complete, whoever wins the game gives a little spiel about why it's so great. And uh, that's how we're going to do it. But first, let's take a look back at the greatness of the year 2002. All in all, I think it was a pretty good year. For starters, the I would say the Marvel Cinematic Universe started uh, with Spider-Man, the first Tobey Maguire movie coming out. Oh, <laughs> I know there were I know there were other Marvel movies before, but this is this is the first actually good one. Um, also, the Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers came out, and the lowest point of the Star Wars Cinematic Universe, uh, Episode Two: Attack of the Clones, was released. Uh, that's been updated. <laughs> oh yeah. Also, the Kaminoans show up in uh, Star Wars Episode Two, which is a highlight of many people around the world. <laughs> I mean, they automatically make it better than Rise of Skywalker. There you go. Um, also, the year 2002 was when Halle Berry uh, became the first black actress to win the Academy Award for Best Actress for her performance in Monsters Ball. I think that's right. That, that did make me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> also, 2002 was the year that Michael Jackson uh, dangled his baby off of that balcony in Berlin. I don't know if you guys remember that. Yeah. But that was a pretty high thing. Um, 2002 was the year that the Osbournes aired and reality TV was at an all-time high. Um, 2002 was also the year that saw Yu-Gi-Oh! explode onto the scene. And we have not recovered as a civilization from that yet. Um, the Eminem show by Eminem was the best-selling album of the year. And uh, also, 2002 was the year that Nickelback burst onto the scene with their song, How You Remind Me. Uh, so uh, maybe not so good, but Alicia Keys won the most Grammys that year uh, for Fallen. So I guess that's pretty cool. And um, U2 had their halftime show commemorating the 9-11 victims that I still reference anytime I can to this year. And uh, Disney released their last great hand animated uh, movie with Lilo and Stitch. So... Um, yeah, all in all, I would say a pretty good year. Um, there was some more stuff, but just 2002 was was a, a great year, and it was a great year for video games. So let's get into that. I've done a selection randomly drawing of names, and the order is Adrian will have the first pick, Joseph will go second, and I will go third. 
So uh, if you guys are ready, Adrian, take it away with your first pick for the 2002 draft. All right. So I'm going to have to make up for some sins that I committed uh, last episode where I essentially picked up um, the uh, some some critical games that were ported the next year <laughs> as opposed to the year that they came out. But yeah. uh, looking beyond that, uh, I, I, I'm going to have to, I have to do it. Uh, Metroid Prime. What? You, you, you're going with Metroid Prime? Yes. You didn't even have a GameCube. I, if I, if my directive <laughs> is to collect the best games of the 128-bit era, oh. then it would, I, it is my fiduciary duty to do this. <laughs> I mean, I can't argue with you there. I just can't believe that noted Xbox fanboy Adrian is going with the Nintendo the GameCube fanboy detractor Adrian. Yeah. <laughs> Let's start with that. <laughs> Nintendo fanboy <laughs> offender. <laughs> there you go. Uh, okay, so what's your starting bid at? Uh, uh, I'll start it at uh, 300. 300. All right. One minute. Eight. Uh, Joe, are you going to jump in on this? Yeah, 400. Easy. All right. So 400 for Joe. Adrian, are you going to take it uh, back? 450. I can get other stuff here for cheap. Oh, man. 450. Uh, Joe? You gonna I let him have I this? I really want, and I know I'm gonna have to fight you for. Are you not gonna get in on this for real? I, uh, oh man, it's, there's a lot of good <laughs> games this year, <laughs> and I think some of them. I I don't know if you guys want them. Um, I'll go four fifty five. I'll go four fifty five. Four. Four sixty. Uh, Adrian. Uh, four seventy five. Oh man. 475. 475. Joe, are you going to get in on this? Apparently, when I was doing my research, I missed the biggest fucking game of the year. Uh, this one's not on my list, so I'm going to bow out now, and I think I can still make a good list. I can't. I can't. I, don't, I can't believe Adrian is doing this. I know. Same. <laughs> 475 is a lot, and there's still a lot of good games on the yeah. list, but it is Metroid Prime. <laughs> It is a foundational game of my childhood. <laughs> yeah. That's oh. why I'm surprised you're going to let it go for so little. Oh, this really hurts. It's not really little. It's ha almost half of, uh, of the allotted uh, funds. Oh, man. You're going to lose that on Wind Waker and Metroid Prime? <laughs> oh, I can't do this. All right, I'm going to go 500. 500 for Metroid Prime. Hmm. Yeah, okay. It's yours. Oh, man. <laughs> that was... That was expensive. <laughs> that was expensive. But, um, yeah, I, I couldn't let... I couldn't let Adrian have it. Um, Metro Prime was the game that, like, a lot of game... People that forged their identity around the GameCube in this era of the console wars really, like, staked... Their flag on like this is the game that is gonna that that makes the GameCube you know not a kiddie console that's a serious game that can go up against Halo or anything that the PS2 has to throw at it. Um, it was the return of one of the greatest franchises that Nintendo has. It's ignored. It was in first person. It was beautiful. The graphics stood up to anything at the time, and maybe it looked better than almost anything at the time. Um, 
the music was incredible. The soundtrack was great. The pacing was great. It was Metroid Reborn, and it was to usher the GameCube into the living rooms of every house in America. Um, it didn't quite achieve that, but it was... Honestly, a, it's one of the best a, games ever. Made. A Metroid in every pot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. It was from, and then it was an American studio that developed it, which is the first time that Nintendo had really trusted a non-Japanese studio with with an IP of that caliber. Yeah. And it was Retro Studios out of Austin, and they knocked it out of the park. Like this game was, and it, it is an incredible game. I don't think any Metroid Prime has come close to it still, no. uh, and. Yeah, it was just, I remember, like we've mentioned before on the episode of 128 Bits on this one, it was like the thing that I got made fun of the most. People called it Scan Game. It's going to the right person because you had to really bear the cross for that game. (laughs) Yeah, my friends would call it Scan Game as a writing term because you could, if you wanted to, you could scan everything and have an encyclopedia's worth of knowledge about the universe. There was incredible world building. Uh, there was a lot of care and attention put into every aspect of this game. Uh, yeah, Retro Studios exists now because of Metroid Prime 1. Um, that That's just, I love this game. I couldn't let Adrian have it. I know he did this strategically uh, because now <laughs> I only you, have 500 left, but I don't care. I couldn't, I couldn't lose out on this game. It is... I, I made my parents take out a line of credit so I could buy this game. <laughs> like I can't, I can't not have this game. So um, I may have, uh, yeah, I may have led to their uh, economic decline or something. <laughs> but no, I had to have it. Yeah, um, Adrian, do you want to say anything? You picked this game. Why did you? Why did you do so? I again, it, 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 it's a uh, it, uh, for all intents and purposes, it's a very good game. And it ultimately kind of like uh, it kept that franchise alive and relevant in a, yeah. in a way that it feels like Nintendo didn't really know how to deal with it other than just to give Retro Studios more like more leeway to, to continue on that. Because um, now it bifurcated the series. Yeah. Now there is the Prime series, and then there's like the classic 2D series. Yeah. Um, so it, it did something to a franchise that is very, very unique in that it it created two styles that people are very, very hungry for. Yeah. There isn't a different kind of Halo that people go gaga for. There isn't a different kind of God of War that people are, are clamoring for. Mm. Uh, but... Uh, the the strength of Retro Studios and it's shown here in their in their uh, first shot out with with Metroid Prime to the 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 willingness to rethink the wheel yeah and 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 come at the IP with another angle yeah definitely and I mean Halo tried it wasn't there like Halo Wars which is a real time strategy I mean yeah they did but I mean it's not <laughs> it wasn't good. <laughs> It's not, um, not huge. Like it, uh, to the point, to the fact that like there's no third-person shooter RE style, like Resident Evil Four style shooter for Halo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Or conversely, like a first-person shooter for Gears of War. Yeah, totally. No, it was it. Yeah, it revived the franchise. It's alive now because of this moment and. Uh, it was it was 
I think it was the highest height the GameCube ever achieved, at least in my eyes. Um, and that's including Wind Waker, but that's, uh, yeah, that's cool. Um, Joseph, let's go on to your number one pick. Uh, on the heels of that, I think I'm going to try and get one in here cheap since you just had to spend half of your stuff. I'm going to go with Rez. Oh, man. Rez 360. Did you say you're going to get one for cheap and then you said 360? Uh, for <laughs> Rez and Rod? Yeah. Yeah, I had this. Oh, man. <laughs> this is the one that I thought me and the only one that I thought me and Rod are really going to fight over. This I time. only have 500 left. And I only have one game. <laughs> yeah, you, you can pick it up and then do a whole bunch of Rod games after that. <laughs> but yeah, maybe. maybe uh... I All think right. you should do it. I I'm going to do it for 400. I'm, I'm going to give you 400. Dang it. I think you should do for 450, Rod. <laughs> you think I can get away with 50 bits for the you for three games? I'm telling you, you can't. <laughs> uh... If you want Fantasy Star Online, I'm telling you, you can't. <laughs> I'm going to go 425. 430. <sighs> I'm going to go 450. 455. I can't do that. I can't do much higher. It's it's yours. Adrian, you're not going to get in on this? Nah. All right, Joe, you got it for 455. So tell us about um the synesthesia. Yeah, tell us about Res. <laughs> yeah, I mean part rhythm game, part third person shooter, part synthesizer, part visualizer, part ayahuasca trip. <laughs> I love this game. Like it's short enough that you can pl just play through the whole thing if you're good enough, which I'm not. I'm probably the only person that's been on this show that's worse at video games than Rod. Um, <laughs> but like we talked about it in our episode, like it's one of those flow state games that you can just go back to over and over again. It's super enjoyable. I just love the gameplay of it. Um, and even just like I put the playthrough on the other day, just kind of starting to do some research and watch through this. And I just love watching. Like I found myself ended up looking up at the screen more often than actually paid attention to what I was doing. Yeah, totally. It's and it's still available. You can get it for PC or PS4 and Xbox One right now. And, and VR. Yeah, yeah, and VR now. There's a new. Uh, there's yes. like a new realm or a new Which level that's all VR. Um, it's and the it's, it's the Resident Evil Four and Skyrim of its era of just it's on everything. <laughs> <laughs> thankfully yeah because this game almost didn't didn't make the light of day but um yeah all in all it's a great experience especially that last level that last level is about as long as the other like levels combined yeah and it's just a trip like it's literally so yeah, so weird too yeah it's um it's an amazing game if you guys have not played it um i don't know what's wrong with you because <laughs> You should have played it, right? Especially <laughs> if you are listening to a podcast about uh, the sixth generation of video games, you, you <laughs> probably have played it. So you know how much it pains me to see this leave my hands. But um, no, Res is a fantastic game. Uh, I bought it when on the second run in the US. I was scouring like the Game Pro and Penny Arcade and Game FAQs forums waiting for when. Because they would like release them in little batches for the PS2. Yeah. And I was waiting for like the next batch. And I remember when um, when I read on the forums that it was out, I went down to like the GameStop at Bassett Center in El Paso. And I like asked for it. And the guy was like, 
I don't think we have it. And I was like, you should check the shipment that you received today. <laughs> you probably have it. And he did another, oh, yeah, here you go. There's, there was like three copies and I got one of them. So it's still here. So, it, yeah, it's overall just a great memory. I think this is the first time I bought video games on eBay. And I really had this out my parents on it. They're like, you're just going to get scammed. They're going to send you a box. I was like, no, just <laughs> let me buy this game. I can't find it anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, and the pursuit of synesthesia has been a real thing for um, Tetsuya Mizuguchi. Like nowadays, along with the VR headset, like the VR mode, you can also get like a like a vest that has like all of these vibrator things around you mm-hmm. that'll like trigger that. Um, yeah, back in the PS2 era, he only had the trance vibrator, <laughs> which was something that you plugged into like the player two port, and it you you're supposed to sit on it, I think, or something like that. Oh, I don't think you were supposed to. I, I saw a couple of posts <laughs> online. <laughs> Uh, but now you can get a whole vest. Um, I haven't done that yet, but I, yeah, I still play it on the PS4 every now and then. I plug it in, and I, I love that man, Tetsuya Mizuguchi. I still have a Google alert set up for his name in case he does something cool, but great pick, Joe. Um, I guess it's my turn. Uh, I only have 500 bits left, but uh, for my technically second game, but my first pick, I'm going to go with the game that made me get an xbox um this was it like i was on the sidelines i saw halo i played it with my friends halo Uh 2 uh played it with my Uh friends uh but there was nothing really that kind of like drew me to the xbox for a long long time until the demise of sega and sega i thought would naturally go to nintendo to release all of their games but instead, they released the one I was looking forward to the most <laughs> on that big green space station uh, sized machine uh, that was the Xbox. So I had to go out and again, get my parents indebted by getting a line of credit at GameStop <laughs> so I could get a used Xbox and this game. I'm referring, of course, to Jet Set Radio Future. And I will start the bidding at 100 bits. 250. Oh, don't do this to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, 400. I'm going to go to 400. Uh. This, this game is very important to How me. How many dude. are you going to have left? <laughs> I have 500 left, and I'm putting 400 <laughs> into Jet Set Radio Future. Oh, man. I'm going to clean up the stuff that I didn't think I was going to. <sighs> hmm. 425. I will go 450. Okay. That's yours. Oh, Joe, you're, you're not going to fleece nope. me for more? No, I have it on my list, but again, as, an, as not having an Xbox, I can't justify that price. All right. Cool. So, yeah, Jet Set Radio Future is a sequel to Jet Grind Radio on the Dreamcast. It's cell shaded, it's highly stylized, it has amazing music. Um, it's one of those games that immediately captures you as soon as you lay eyes on it. Uh, and Jet Set Radio Future was just way bigger, way faster. The levels were sprawling, almost approaching open world level, which was insane. Um, the, the style was even more edgier, more graffiti-like than Jet Grind Radio. It was like darker. The music was crazier. It just It's just overall arguably the coolest game stylistically ever made. And yeah, I mean, it's one of those 
for me at least, this is a title that made me get an Xbox, which I think is the highest testament a machine can have, where it's just like, I need it to play that game, and it's only on that game. It's only on that machine, so that that's what I did. Um, Adrian, you played Jet Set Radio Future? Oh, yeah. I, from uh, the demo that was out to, to the actual game itself. I, again, this is, I remember it playing this franchise starting on the dreamcast so it was yeah. absolutely on my radar yeah yeah it was and I, I i'm telling you this game should have been on the gamecube it, it fits the gamecube mold of stuff i don't think it was appreciated on on the xbox um i don't think a lot of people played it it was bundled in fact with a sim driver like you could get the the bundle with sega gt 2002 which is like sega's version of gran turismo um which for me it seemed kind of like I guess I'm a Sega guy because these are the two kind of genres that I really like. Uh, but uh, no, it's just a great game and well worth me only having 50 bits left. So <laughs> it's like an inverse of last time. Of yeah. 2003 draft. So, okay, that concludes round one. Adrian has no games and his full 1,000 bits left. Joseph has Rez and 545 bits left. I have... Metroid Prime Jet Set Radio Future, which I'm very happy with, but I only have 50 bits left and I got to make something work here. Uh, Adrian, why don't you start us off with your um, second pick and maybe your first game, unless someone jumps in here. Yeah, you jerks. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go have to go with the, uh, with the classic and... Uh, go fakey on you guys or and do tony hawk's pro skater 4 and since we're throwing big money let's let's do uh 400 that's too much it's i mean i really want it it's in my mid tier though that's too much i I can't jump in here whenever i wanted to so adrian it seems like tony hawk's pro skater 4 is yours for 400 so tell us about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4. Uh, straight up, this might be like the the apex mountain of like mechanics yeah. for uh, Tony Hawk 4. For Tony Hawk. And not only that, but then on PS4, they added uh, online support. And it was just the mechanics and the music all coming together. Uh, this is, we're discussing pre-show a little after uh, 2002 was a little after uh, Jackass premiering. Mm-hmm. So skateboarding and how, I, for lack of a better term, this lifestyle was yeah. very Tony much. Tony Hawk wouldn't have been able to go into coffee shops at this point and be unrecognized. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> this really solidified him as being the, the Michael Jordan of that yeah. sport. Yeah. And uh, 2002 was the height of popularity for skating and that kind of lifestyle. And uh, this is just, f- f- in terms of skateboarding, like this is the Everest. This is the first one that was like that open, well, not open world, but like open level where you could go out and like pick your own challenges, right? Yeah. And it, it was really well received. Uh, and uh, the secret characters, I remember yeah. reading that in like EGM and like, oh, God, man, I got to I got to try that. You're telling me this lady's 
voiced by Jenna Jameson? Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, I played the hell out of this game and like out of these games in general, and this is the one that I put the most amount of time into. There was like online stuff where you could set people into like never ending grinds, and I think I even had a had it running for like two days before my PS2 shut down on its own and I was online, like just stuck in a grind, <laughs> seeing how long it could go. Uh, yeah, I loved this game. I really wanted it, but that's just too much for the other stuff I want. Uh, I got one gripe with Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4, and that is that there is no Darth Maul, which was in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I think... I, there's, I, there's, there's Django Fett for you. He was chopped in half by then, though. Dude, he could, uh, yeah, there you go. Django him. Fett? Well, so it was a marketing tie-in with uh, Attack of the Clones? Yeah, basically because <laughs> I think exactly. Activision had the uh, publishing deal with Lucas. All right, Adrian, that is your first game down. Uh, Joseph, what is your second round pick? Uh, this is one I'm definitely going to try and pick up on the cheap if Adrian will let me. Uh, it's a game that I've been trying to get on here forever and I don't feel it's ever even going to happen. Eternal Darkness for 51. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta give me a chance to get down. Not at all. <laughs> oh, the Silicon Knights game, ter- horror game, survival horror. The yeah, for the GameCube. Fifty. What, Adrian? Are you gonna let him? Are you gonna let him s- stab me like that? <laughs> I'll do a hundred. Hey, one twenty. Dang it. Mm-hmm. One twenty. And the uh, countdown is on. 150. Ooh. 155. Okay. Damn. You're good. 155. Eternal Darkness. Tell us a little more about Eternal Darkness, Joseph. I mean, it's possibly the best survival horror that... I mean, the one, the best one that I've ever played for sure. Um, definitely the one of the most influential in the entire industry. Uh, it's the biggest black mark on Nintendo as a company for me since they copyrighted one of the systems and we haven't had a game like this since. Uh, again, it's been my personal crusade to get it on here. So finally, <laughs> it's being at least talked about on here. But uh, I mean, we had a fucking we'll get two Ace Combat episodes and Twin Snakes on here before this one is finally getting on here. Three Selling Ace it Combat. is one of my biggest life regrets. Just like the way that it unfolds, the storytelling in it, the tie-ins, all like the nobody really used this kind of mythos and really hasn't with a lot of the HP uh, Lovecraft stuff mm. ever since. Um, the way that the game messes with you and has you feeling like has you enthralled in it because it has your character fall through the floor or the it just turns off or blue screens of death on you or it'll come up and like pretend to delete your save like it took that metal gear solid um mechanic of breaking the fourth wall and just blew it up uh it's really awesome i love this game i yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that last point is uh is really strong that like it did a lot of stuff to mess with you as a player outside of the game. Like I remember there were times when the controls were like invert cuz you were going crazy, right? So yeah. like Yeah, as you saw more and more crazy stuff in the house and through the storyline, that's how your character would have a sanity meter and then you would just start to like lose it. Yeah. Your vo- the cra- one of the really crazy things is the volume meter that they programmed. I don't know if I had the same exact TV that they were programming, but looked like my volume meter. <laughs> so one of the first times it started happening, and I don't think I really thought I was even losing it at that point in the game. 
uh, I was like, what the hell am I sitting on my controller? And then like, <laughs> yeah, like it actually started messing with me. Yeah. No, it, it, it's, I think, and that's kind of what I'm going to maybe Kojima seeing how they handled the fourth wall breaking thing is exactly why he was cool with them doing twin snakes, which is arguably the best metal yes. gear solid game of the generation. As we've discussed before, <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> no, that, I mean, and I think a great, sign for this game too at least for me is that it's a scary game and i hate scary stuff but i had to buy this game and play it and i could not sleep for a couple of days because it was freaky especially that roman soldier part i, I couldn't yeah yeah it was weird but it's a great game and yeah nintendo has it well technically luigi's mansion is survival horror so there you go <laughs> um adrian you want to say anything about eternal darkness uh yeah other than kind of what it's already said it it put silicon knights on the map in, yeah. in a way that would then further them up for success and then ultimately also fuel their hubris for their demise <laughs> two human was a great game though man i don't know what you're <laughs> no of course it wasn't uh got weird fix but not that's not one of them um all right it's my turn and i know none i, I know both of you did not play this game and if you are going to take this game from me, it's just because you are jerks. <laughs> but I don't think you will. Uh, this is a, a uh, this is a treasured game for me and for millions of people. Um, it's the first of a great franchise that has saved us, saved many people's mental health during uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, but this was the first one, arguably... If, if not the best one, maybe just the one that has the, the warmest memories for anyone that's played it. I'm referring, of course, to Animal Crossing for the Nintendo GameCube. And I'm starting the bid at 10 bits. I'm going to make you pay more than that. 15. <laughs> oh, I will go up to my halfway point of 25 bits for Animal Crossing. I'll at that point because you definitely have fonder memories. I'll be nice on that one. Adrian, are you going to take... Unless. Unless. <laughs> I'll be nice. Because <laughs> I only have one game. <laughs> I, I should diversify. <laughs> you don't want Animal Crossing, man. There's no Master Chiefs here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a game about animals with made-up languages. You watch uh, you're, you're you're making a enticing case for it though. <laughs> I don't think they even have an X in their language. You watch a dog play guitar on Friday nights. <laughs> he likes um. dogs. Too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you got fifty seconds, Adrian. How much did you put down for it? Twenty-five. Twenty-five? Yeah, I only got fifty, man. That's fifty percent <laughs> of my funds. <laughs> you're gonna push uh, him to having five left for the last two rounds. I, I think I'll let you have this one. Two thousand one is where, if this happened again, I would just be ruthless on you. <laughs> All right, Animal Crossing is mine. Originally an N sixty four game, it does not have amazing graphics. It has a very definite style though, and it's 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 a world building game. It's The Sims, but with um, Nintendo's flair on it. So it's cutesy animals. 
you're in a randomly generated town um, and you just live a life. You can go fishing, you can catch bugs, you can assemble your furniture. It has an NES emulator, which is one of my favorite things in it. So you can play old NES games. And uh, yeah, the, one of the cool things about it or one of the fondest memories I have is that you could share um, a city with other people. So, for example, I had my character in there and then my sister had her character also living in the same city. And while you couldn't play at the same time, um, it was you were still interacting with the same place. So I would leave and my sister would play and then I would come back and I would see that she planted a field of flowers and I could either be mean and dig them all up or I could put a fence around them and kind of like beautify our city together. Um, the residents befriend you or dislike you and leave and come. And it's all really, really cool. And like I said, one of the highlights was watching KK Slider play on weekend nights down at the coffee shop uh, where he would play a random song for you and you and then give you the file so you could put it on your radio at home. And that's what I would do instead of going out to party on the weekend nights is I would sit there and watch KK Slider play a song for me and uh yeah it's, it's, it's just a great addiction <laughs> yeah and also drinking coffee along with them <laughs> uh but no it's it's just it's just a really warm game um there's like a story of and it wasn't just a thing for me because it was so accessible for non-video game players there's like this viral story of this mom who would play with her son and the mom passed away but the son logged on to Animal Crossing and he had found that like the mom had left all of these notes for him there and stuff like that. So it just allowed for a lot of sweet stories like that. And it still does. It's still around. And I'm really happy I have this game. Um, Adrian, did you ever play it or were you just being a jerk? Oh, maximum jerk energy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't see you, uh, Mr. Chuck <clears throat> Polinick t-shirt wearing <laughs> high school guy playing Animal Crossing. <laughs> Uh, but all right, that is the end of round two. Um, Adrian has one game, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4 and 600 Bits. Joe has two games, Res and Eternal Darkness, uh, and 390 Bits left. I have three games, <laughs> Metro Prime, Jet Set Radio Future, and Animal Crossing, and 25 Bits left. So let's go on to round three. Adrian. All right, I'm going to have to do it again. But I don't think you guys would go for it because you guys are weenies. Uh, Resident Evil. Resident Evil. On the GameCube. Yeah, the remake, right? The remake. Yeah. Ah, how much are you betting here? Because I got 25 bits. <laughs> the big spender. I'll do 100. Joe, <laughs> sure, you're going to get in on this? You're going to have two survival horror games on the GameCube in your nah, list? I picked up the better one and... Uh, other than four, I'm not that big a Resident Evil fan. I hope you uh, keep this kindness in mind for later, Adrian. <laughs> uh, Resident Evil is an escape room game, basically. Mm. <laughs> like the the puzzle dynamics are straight up out of like the, they are within that same world of having a A B puzzle, where in order to progress through a, a and, and unlock it a lot of the times it has to have an a component and a b component like so uh looking back on resident evil and their puzzle structure and the logic that they have i have a lot of warmness on it but this is the game that essentially 
revital like it made an entire genre uh with its uh with its scarcity of of ammunition and health items um and uh, this so it's a remake from the ps1 classic but with revamped uh graphics and uh, a mechanic where uh, the zombies are able to go through the doors because going exiting uh, a room full with zombies going through a door basically the ps1 would load in new like would expel those zombies from memory and have to load in other zombies mm. uh, in that new room into its memory so that's why you would have like a prolonged uh door animation it's yeah. loading the next room but with gamecube it, it was all on memory so they were able to follow you from room to room and that complicated and and uh changed the calculus of who do i need to kill and even if you do down a zombie if they're red then they might be like a like a uber like a a berserk style of zombie mm. that might come back so it was able to take that the formula that everybody knew about already uh, because one, two, and three had, been, had come out already, as well as I think Code Veronica, yeah. And it completely um, changed the 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 core mechanics of playing a Resident Evil game to to in effect kind of making like a, a Dark Soulsian difficulty mm. uh, for the game. And it's gorgeous looking and it's scary looking, and I'm glad it's on the list. Yeah, totally. This was another big thing for the GameCube where it was just, you know, Capcom betting big on it and bringing adult, quote unquote, adult titles onto it. Um, a little funny snippet about Resident Evil or remake, as it is called on the forums, is that I was in an arg I was in an online argument about GameCube graphics versus um, like, you know, Xbox graphics as as one does in 2002. Um, and I remember going at length about how the Xbox couldn't possibly generate these graphics. And I posted screenshots of the remake and uh, right away it got quote replied. And I was like, you know, those are pre-rendered backgrounds, right? And then I deleted my post. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, fond memories about Resident Evil. I did not play it again because I was, you know, watching a cartoon dog play a guitar instead. But yeah, great game. It was it was very important for the GameCube. And I, again, this is the generation where you could remake older games with like sufficient vision. So it's kind of something that we see now. But this is the first generation where it was kind of that was a thing that that was worth it, that you could like put in new mechanics or improve the game and really give you the vision that the creator wanted at that time. So Great, great pick. All right, Joe, what is your third pick? Uh, it's funny. We've had like nothing but great games on here until now. And I feel like the one that needs to break the seal on that. It's actually the top of my top tier, though. Uh, have we had many licensed games on here? Either way, uh, no. Lord of the Rings, Two Towers. Yeah. Um, 25. I'm going to bid 90. Love a good beat em up, man. 90. I did, I did play this. It's not the licensed game I thought you were going to go with. I'm going to go with. Uh... You think it was SmackDown Shut Your Mouth? 
a starfighter. Oh, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, um, forty seconds. I think you remember it fondly more than I do, so I'll let you get it. All right. I I can't picture gameplay of it in my head. Uh, all right, Joe, it is yours for ninety bits. So tell us a little bit about the two towers. Yeah, so I know at least one of you disagrees with me, but in my opinion, it's the best Lord of the Rings movie. And the cool thing is this one even takes you through the Fellowship story as well. Yeah. Um, and even though it adds way more orcs to much more of the story, it takes you through all like the cool different um, storylines. So like you even you play a Strider trying to save Frodo. Uh, you play uh, on the weather top. You play it. You have to kill a bunch of orcs on the mountain that they're trying to traverse in fellowship. So there's a good amount of balance between the whole story that it takes you through. You have to play as the three different characters. Well, Aragorn, Legolas and Gimli take them all through the whole story and you can level up your characters, unlock different clips. Like it has movie uh, or different combos. It has movie clips. I believe the actual voice actors are in it. Uh, it has the official soundtrack, which is amazing. It, yeah, like it's just fun. It's one of those games. It's a great beat em up. It's one of those games that you can just sit and play through in one sitting or play through the story in one sitting. But then it also has the replayability like I like to collect in these drafts so far where you can go back and play it and try and master it a little bit better. Yeah, I think it's definitely a game that um, would work by itself because the mechanics are solid enough. But it's a game that really took advantage of its licensing and really, like it, 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 it's only improved by licensing. It doesn't rely on its licensing, which I think is a great separator from some licensed games to others. Um, but yeah, I remember the my favorite part was the speak friend and enter part, where they're outside the door and you got to fight that octopus or whatever. Yeah. I I have like I don't know why that scene is like so ingrained in my mind where I because it was see a pain it. in the butt because you had to <laughs> that was, I think that's the first time you really had to start using the ranged part of it yeah exactly and I suck at ranged stuff <laughs> um, but yeah great pick Adrian did you uh, did you uh, play this game I know I played it because I was a Lord of the Rings head I just I don't remember much of it I did you play was there a level like in the Mines of Moria yes. Yeah. Okay. You have to and, defend the little room, and then the okay. um, the big troll comes in, and then it's like a three stage kind of boss battle where you have to beat him. Okay, I, I think I I recall it, but not it didn't imprint on me. <laughs> All right, so that one's yours, Joe, and now we go to my third pick, which would be my fourth game, my penultimate game. Uh, and I gotta, I gotta go with a statement game here and I gotta, I don't have a lot of money to play with and it can be taken away from me very easily. I don't think, maybe it will, but this was the generation of peripherals, right? So earlier we had the uh, DDR mat. I'm going to be uh, stealing this from you, Rob. Yeah, okay. This generation, <laughs> this game is the ultimate peripheral. In fact, it's it's one of those things where, yeah, you could play Guitar Hero with the controller. There's no chance in hell you can play this game without its <laughs> peripheral. It's a game that I've never played, but I have lusted for with a degree that is almost perverted. Have you uh, played this, Adrian? I have not, but, uh, okay. but on principle, <laughs> Same, it's, ex it's, it's existence. Yeah, that's why it's, I just needed to know before we get into this. Yeah, it's a game that I have wanted for a long time and I will open it now 
Steel Battalion on the Xbox for 24 of my 100. 25 bits. Dang it. 100. Uh, yeah, 125. Uh, 150. 150? Actually, uh, yeah, all right, cool, 150. Uh, 175. Uh, I have a chance to just get the top five of my uh, list, so I'll let you have it. Okay. Uh, as, as as Rod was saying, a game none of us have played. <laughs> <laughs> but but just take that into consideration. None of us have played this game. Yet just the idea of the game is so alluring and and unique that it has stayed with us yep. for almost two decades. For yeah. two decades. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I don't think any game has really chased that high. Um, there's some quotes from Kojima uh, of him wanting like a dream game. He's wanting to do that. If you die, the the game deletes itself off of your hard drive and you have to rebuy it. Like that is this style of, of kookiness where you have a multiple hundred dollar con- like controller yeah. of joysticks and buttons that, uh, if you if your mech blows up, it deletes your mech off of your save. There is no resaving and going back. Uh, your your pilot is dead. Yeah. You have to eject, have to eject. Bef- before you, you, your machine blows up for you to even like progress through that story. Yeah, this is the most Dark Soulsian kind of mechanic before that Demon Souls Dark Souls mechanic even existed of like ultra permadeath <laughs> and uh it's it's a wild thing to exist and i'm glad it does and perhaps before i die i i will play this thing yeah yeah well, we can go all in and just meet up somewhere and actually get a <laughs> copy and play it i really want to this is, uh, it's actually an xbox game that i was bidding on so yeah, big time. I just remember the three pedals. I was like, whoa, that's insane. And then I was like, well, it could be a clutch. But no, it's not. <laughs> uh, but no, it was just, it's the controller was like, I think like 300 bucks or something like that. It was ridiculous. Um, yeah, for, for yeah, for $300 for being in high school, for being a kid. Yeah, that may as well just be imaginary money. <laughs> Have you got and you can't argue it and get like your parents to put it on credit or anything like that because it is an inherently ridiculous thing. <laughs> Look, yeah. I have dreams of being a mech pilot. Please <laughs> just buy me this stupid controller. No, it's not gonna. Didn't fly. Trust me, I tried it. Is uh, have you guys met anyone who has played this game? No, I don't think so. Mm-mm. I've never met anyone who has played Steel Battalion on the Xbox, but um, I. I yeah, it's just one of those things where the the staying power of it, just the idea of it existing is is enough to be compelling 20 years later, like Adrian's. There's no like, setup to use like flight sims or like a double joystick. There's no game like this, right? No. Right now? A no. unsealed copy can be yours for around four hundred fifty dollars. I just wish this had like been an unopened copy I see on eBay is going for 
a cool 1500 <laughs> how do we have this many like flight sims with these huge cockpits that people customize and not a mech sim because we stopped dreaming as a people just <laughs> that's why <laughs> the fact that still that mech games with multi cockpit setups don't exist anymore is the reason why god doesn't talk to us anymore <laughs> 2002 is the year we peaked <laughs> All right, so after three rounds, we are all even with three games apiece. Um, Adrian has Tony Hawk, Pro Skater 4, the Resident Evil remake on the GameCube, and Steel Battalion, much to my chagrin. Uh, Joseph has Res, Eternal Darkness, and Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. And I have Metroid Prime, Jet Set Radio Future, and Animal Crossing. So let's open up the fourth round, all evened up. Uh, Adrian, go ahead. This studio put out a game, uh, this RPG uh, from their studio out in uh, outside of DC, and uh, it kind of blew up for them and gave them the capital to chase that dragon and that and 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 make it bigger. And their opening, uh, Fusroda was Elder Scrolls Morrowind. And I'll do... 200. 200 for the Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind. Was that on Xbox or just PC? It was released on 2002 for the Xbox, I think. Let me double check. When Xbox acquired uh, Bethesda... Uh, last year, um, they gave the anecdote of of working closely with Microsoft, and Microsoft gave them the, the tip that uh, you are able to actually recache a lot of the memory if you reset the Xbox. So when you load in on a town and you see a load screen, your Xbox is, is actually rebooting uh, <laughs> while you're stand, you're sitting there looking at a, at a load screen. Joe, you're going to get in on this? I can't. As, yeah. Nah, it was an Xbox. I really liked it. I was interested at the time, but I, again, was not an Xbox kid. Never owned one, so it's yours. Um, so Morrowind it takes place in not necessarily your, your classic uh, like medieval fantasy setting, it's very alien looking. Like the the font, the the flora is very mushroom like, and uh, but that's the kind of game that, in, in contrast with like the classic Tolkien kind of fantasy that was popular at the time, this felt like a fresh take on 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 the genre yeah. and the fact that uh teenage adrian was able to create a a a hero based off of what i liked and like oh oh i can be a sneaky guy all right i can do that <laughs> yeah. uh and the the narratives that came out of it and it was essentially my first um and a lot of people's first introduction into the the classic D and D tropes of uh, of classes and races and uh, interacting with all of them in in this strange alien world, and it was the breakout game for Bethesda Studios. Yeah, for sure. Uh, to the fact that after this they would then take forever 
to then create oblivion. Yeah. Um, and that's when the doors blow off. Yeah, I remember Oblivion's world, though, wasn't as big as Morrowind's, or am I just making that up? Like, in terms of yeah, map size. Right. Yeah. It might be strange for you guys to hear this, but I hung out on very nerdy places online, and uh, one of the places that I would hang out in was a role-playing uh, server. And not, not perverted in any way, shape, or form. It was just literally like, you know, like D&D or like Lord of the Rings type role-playing, and Morrowind was huge in that community. And people... I remember there was a guy who would make like random forum posters characters in Morrowind and then like post post them in threads and stuff like that. And it was the highest honor to have your character uh, created in Morrowind. So, yeah, that was one of the big things, too, that you could make like the, the character builder was very in-depth and stuff like that, which was not really seen in that era up until Morrowind. And uh, it was just a, a hugely expansive game. And probably why Microsoft bought Bethesda. Like, it can all be traced back to this, right? <laughs> Skyrim, yeah, absolutely. Sure, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But now Morrowind was huge. So that's a great pick. I played it years later because at the time, not only did I not have an Xbox, like, when it first, when it was big or, like, a PC when it was big. I didn't even have, uh, like, broadband internet, so I couldn't play it. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, great pick. Joe, give us your fourth pick. I'm going to give you a ch- How much do you have? 25. All right, I'll give you a chance to get in on this one. Uh, <laughs> Fantasy Star at 23. Ah. <laughs> That's not much of a chance. <laughs> I'm giving you a chance. <laughs> oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. How many games do you have, Ron, on your list? I have three. Three. Three for how much? For the first one, I... Sp- well, no, I no, no, like how many, how many... Left. Oh, man. Yeah, I have two. So I, this next one would just be two. Um... Rod, for someone who uh, forced your parents to go into debt and <laughs> with credit, <laughs> I, I think it stands to reason you're not very you good with other people's money. <laughs> you didn't learn that lesson. <laughs> Oh, uh, uh, Joe, yeah, you're, yeah, you're gonna have this one. Um, yeah, well, this is... Adrian wants to get on it. No, I'm good. Right. You're talking about Fantasy Star Online version two, right? The one, one? chapter one and two that was on GameCube, right? Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, see that one. That one doesn't hurt too much. That was the one that I played. Okay, 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 okay. All right, so that yeah, episode one and two is yours. For 23. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I mean, we already had an episode on it, and I don't remember what I said there, but it's just a really fun action RPG, um, which I don't really like get into very often. The um, the timing of it actually, or the timing aspect of the combat actually keeps you involved in the gameplay. Mm. Um, I really love the customization, the customization, the length of the game, because it's two games into one. Uh, so the replayability is definitely still in my strategy here and I just love mags and uh, <laughs> collecting them and growing them in this game and I think I have like four, five, four or five different characters that I that I cycled through just so that I could see all the different types of mags that will come out to them yeah it's, it's, stylistically it's one of my favorite games yeah. made of this genre and just like this this is how influential it was that when Destiny came out and you had that little 
companion. I was like, oh, that's a mag. I want to play Destiny. Like that was a thing <laughs> that got me into Destiny right away. And it's not the same thing. Nothing has captured it since. Uh, but no, it's a great game. Um, I think of it. I, I played it more on the Dreamcast, though. So I can yeah. that, that came out a little bit before but no great great call adrian did you ever manage to play fantasy star online no this is i had an aversion to anime and this just to me like ah this is weeb stuff i'm off of it yeah probably you were probably right but it was it was it's a really really cool game there's still an active community hack series then (laughs) there is still an active community by the way uh yeah people have set up their own fantasy star online um servers that nice. you can join and you just pay a small fee through the guy through paypal and stuff and you're there so yeah the, its fans are definitely very very committed so great call all right so my fourth pick now with my 25 bits i gotta be judicious here there's a lot of games that i really like from this era that i believe it or not none of the games you guys have picked have been on my list Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Not even Res? No, Res was for sure. Okay. That's the only one. But like Lord of the Rings was not. Yeah, um, I didn't know it was going to be on anybody's. Resident Evil Remake was not. Steel Battalion was on my list and Adrian stole it. Uh, Eternal Darkness wasn't? It was not. Oh. It's too scary for me, man. <laughs> number two, scary. Number four, me. <laughs> um, okay. So this was. Oh, I got it. No, I already have two GameCube games, right? Yeah, I'm not going to go for the third one. All right, screw it. I, I, I'm going to go with this one. This this is a game that was originally released on another console. And our format that we have now will not allow us to get there because we, uh, we're not going that far back into the past. But this game was also released in this year. It was a port. And it's it's... It features perhaps one of the most magical creatures on the face of the earth doing the most ridiculous things that you could ever imagine. I'm referring, of course, to Echo the Dolphin, Defender of the Future, released on PS2 in the year of 2002. And I will start the bidding at 20 bits. 20 of my 25 bits are going to Echo the Dolphin, Defender of the Future on PS2. Will no one come and take this from my hands? Your, your list, all for all intents and purposes, may have been the best list up until now. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to perform seppuku on your list, by all means. <laughs> Joe, you got to jump in here? No. All no, right. No. You know my aversion to dolphins. <laughs> aversion to dolphins. <laughs> they know what they did. <laughs> Echo the Dolphin Defender of the Future is a great game. It's, it's it's one of the trippiest games ever made. It's at the same time relaxing as it is unbelievably weird. Um, for starters, Echo travels in time and he becomes an alien and he's defending <laughs> Dolph. Like a time traveling alien species comes to Earth 
to undo the bonds of friendship that dolphins and humans have created by going back in time and making it so that dolphins never developed the ability to communicate with humans. But Echo goes back in time and rescues him. And how can you that, tell me that is not a compelling video game, Adrian? Like, you just put Master Chief in there and people would be lining up <laughs> the streets to uh, But no, it's a strange game. But I love it. I just absolutely love it. I love it on the Dreamcast. I didn't own it on the PS2. But it needs to be on these auctions just because uh, it never got its first shot. We haven't had an Echo since. you're running this show and we don't even have an episode <laughs> of Eternal Darkness. <laughs> We've never had an Echo sequel since. And that is the greatest injustice right now. Second to the Ukraine war uh, that is happening in the world. So I make a call to all willing parties uh, to to change this, to make another I, Echo. I will say, after sitting through the whole playthrough of the of the other Echo game for our actual episode, I would welcome a sequel. I, yeah. I would actually play an Echo the Dolphin sequel. Yeah, think of it now. Remember my open world concept? Just go listen to that episode. <laughs> uh, I, w I am willing to work on it for the small, small fee of $17.5 million US. <laughs> okay? So you can do it. All right. So now we are entering our final round. Adrian has 125 bits left. Joseph has 277 bits left. And I have five bits left. Um and Adrian has Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4, The Resident Evil Remake, Steel Battalion, and Morrowind. Joseph has Rez, Eternal Darkness, Lord of the Rings, Fantasy Star Online versions 1 and 2. And I have Metroid Prime, Jet Set Radio Future, Animal Crossing, and the underrated Echo the Dolphin, Defender of the Future. So last pick, Adrian, who, who you got? This is a game close to my heart. I saved this for last because I knew none of you played it. Um, it is a sequel to a rough start of the franchise, but as a franchise that is coming out to this day, including um, the conclusion of its really excellent trilogy, probably like the best pound for pound trilogy that's come out in the last 20 years. But this sequel to that game um, is IO Interactive's Hitman 2 Silent Assassin. <laughs> Uh, music composed by Jasper Kidd, who would then make all the iconic uh, Assassin's Creed uh, music. It is... So, the, all of the rest of my money's 125 uh, bid on that, but I this started my love of Agent 47. Mm. Joe, are you going to get in here? Nah, I'll let him have it. All right. Agent 47, I've never played it, these games. It is basically... It, it's... it's helps start the or in some ways continue the flag of like the deus ex kind yeah. of gameplay where yeah. you are dropped into a sandbox and you are able to tackle your objectives in any kind of way uh there is a through line to uh, a couple of ways to do it completely silently with no witnesses thus the 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 ranking silent assassin or you just go uh, guns ablazing um, <laughs> and do it that way. But even doing it, that is um, can require some finesse as well. And a lot of the times my playthroughs would come up and, and be 
disastrous. Um, but and, and the score in this game is incredible. They have like a Hungarian um, opera house uh, sing with it. The the opening level, you're supposed to kill this uh, mobster uh, in his villa and. Part of the challenge is how do I get past this wall uh, to get him? Do I dress myself up as the uh, uh, a chef coming back in? Um, <laughs> and again, this is it. It's training a lot on on Russian aesthetic. Uh, so there's a part where you have to sneak into a underground gulag and interrogate a guy so it, there's a part you can go in the opposite of the glass and <laughs> assassinate him that way and it's just uh this is definitely peak era adrian's as rod was saying not instead of parting i'm playing hitman assassin playing it on my <laughs> uh f- my my awesome uh 2.1 setup that i got from best buy or <laughs> you plug the uh the right and left channel into it and it gives you some good sound and <laughs> i just remember this game so 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 fondly and all the game all the guns you collect goes back to your villa and you get to just look at all of it. it's kind of like um uh spring breakers where <laughs> you just look at all my shit and then you get double cross at the very end and all the all of the bad dudes uh go to your villa so it becomes uh like the end of Skyfall uh, <laughs> where like, Oh, you're in my house. Now I have all my guns. I'm going to wreck you. I, it's just so good. Yeah. I've got to say, Adrian, I never played Hitman two, but you were selling me on it. And I had no idea there was so many Hitman games. Like there's, there's a bunch of them. I'm looking now at the series. There's like, uh, seven Hitman games, including the one that was just released last year. The, the last three, uh, the, the reboots are, hmm phenomenal and it's all one platform so you can essentially buy all of them and play it all on one client oh nice um they call it the world of assassination and i believe it's in this game you you have to assassinate a guy who's having heart surgery so there's an avenue where you can become the doctor and just purposely mess up the surgery it's (laughs) some wild stuff creative stuff yeah, definitely, definitely an Adrian game. And uh, yeah, 125, uh, that's a very solid closeout to your draft. Uh, Joe, did you did you ever play Hitman? No, I played it, but I never really got into Like the mm. stealth games at the time, I never really had the skill or patience for. Mm. All right. Well, Adrian, you'd be, su- you'd be surprised to know that Hitman 2 was not on my list as well. Mm. Uh, but all right, Joe, what is your last pick? Uh, I'm torn because if we're trying to come up with the best experience, there's two games that I could really go with, and really I have my pick of the both of them. Um, I swear, if you go... get blinks the time sweeper, I am gonna freak out. <laughs> no, I mean I'm talking about BMX Triple X. Um, <laughs> no, it's either GameCube or PS2. I'm gonna go with the one that I actually put more time into because it's just more special to me. Uh, I know it already got drafted, but Vice City. Um, for the PS2, 150 is my grade. Not that it needs to be. All right. It's going to be yours. 
Yeah, it's sorry. I, it, <laughs> Vice City yeah. would have been a, a a tougher fight had I had I not bungled it last step. Oh, you got the you got the Xbox Vice City. <laughs> yeah, and that was the other reason I was thinking of going. The other option I had was Melee. Um, thinking of going with that, but yeah, I mean, it's just the one. This this is the GTA, and I don't know if I said that last time that I definitely put the most time into. Um, it had the voice for your character, the eighty style. I don't even remember what we talked about last time, but first time we had motorcycles. Everybody knows yeah. how great this game is that played it. Like, it's super fun. Yeah, I I don't really need to say too much about it because it sells itself. It's the first one with licensed music. I think I brought up that last time, right? But that was a big deal too because yeah. you could. I think it was. I don't know if everybody wants to save the world was on there. If I'm just making that up, but I distinctly remember driving to that song. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, great call, Joe. And you got 127 bits left over, which you can put in the stock market. So nice. there you go. Actually, can I get an NFT? <laughs> yes, you can. Uh, it'll be an Echo the Dolphin uh, one. <laughs> no, uh, a bored ape. And the bored ape is playing Echo the Dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for my last one, and for five bits, I got a lot of options here. Got a lot of options. Not all of them are ports from the Dreamcast games from the year 2000. Uh, oh, man. Let me see. Let me see. I got to make a call. All right. I you know, I, I, MLB I, high heat. I'm going to I'm going to I'm just going to go with this one because this was one of my favorite multiplayer experiences of this year. Um, and it's a very unique game because it. It's one of those games that didn't take itself too seriously, which I really like, even though it was in a genre that at this point was just becoming the serious bro-y genre that it now is. Um, I'm referring, of course, to Time Splitters 2, which <laughs> I will get for five bits. Same. It was on your list? Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, Time Splitters 2 was super fun. Uh, one of my favorite things about it was the level designer, which at this time I fancied myself a like aspiring <laughs> video game developer. <laughs> so I spent an insane amount of time creating levels there and mapping them out on like graph paper and stuff like that. And then to see that and, and have it in a world that you can actually share with your friends and stuff like that was a huge plus. I remember there was characters of different sizes. There was like a monkey that you could be and it actually had a smaller hitbox and stuff like that. So it was ultimately a very creative, a very funny game. Uh, the missions were crazy uh, and just like a, a, an overall super enjoying experience that I think is kind of like, I don't know if Team Fortress 2 came out before or after. Um, but Definitely after, no? Yeah, it feels like it feels like a proto Team Fortress 2. Um, and then I don't think anything since has kind of reached that level of silliness. That's also fun. Uh, Overwatch is definitely colorful, but it's not silly uh, in the way that Time Sweaters 2 was. And that's one of the things that I enjoy about it the most because you just see ridiculous things from a distance, like a monkey meleeing a dude or something, and you're just like, yeah. "What is happening?" I, I always had a problem with its audio, with mm. its with its sound effects. I, when I think of Tiny Sweaters, I can always think of just like bullets going pew. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But overall, though, you, you gotta admit it's 
I don't think there's been a game like that since. I don't even think Time, Time Splitters 3 was like that. I think they took it in a lot darker uh, darker note, if I'm not mistaken. Who's who's sitting on Time Splitters now? It should be still EA, I think. So, yeah, I don't expect anything's going to come out of it. <laughs> but it should be back. I, I It feels like it, it, it's it's ready for uh for for a revival um yeah apparently the last time oh time Splitters 2 is available on the xbox one or xbox series x coach media or part of the embracer group so the the bones of thq basically Ooh. owns it i mean that team's so far removed from the ones who made goldeneye now though right oh yeah very yeah, much yeah, so yeah. Um, the, yeah, like I I love those games because they were the spiritual successor to like that and Perfect Dark, and I put so many hours into as, those games. As of May of last year, and according to Polygon, new Time Splitters game in the works, Deep Silver confirms. Nice. Ooh. Yeah, hopefully we get one. It feels like it's I feel I feel like it's prime season for a colorful, silly shooter that is, yeah, that doesn't take itself seriously. Um, but yeah, that level design. Adrian, you remember messing with that level designer thing? Yeah, absolutely. And it just ended up being um, a series of hallways and like, oh, I'm just creating <laughs> like a Doom style. Okay. <laughs> yeah, big time. But it was so fun and, you know, messing with like height and whatever. It, it was just yeah, a really, really that cool. that on the console seems wild. <laughs> I remember uh, just having really fun just laughing fits at the ridiculous stuff that was happening um but yeah that's it that's it for a 2002 draft so um adrian oh first of all are there any games that were not drafted that you guys uh left on the list on your list mario sunshine kingdom hearts uh matt hoffman's pro bmx yeah i had mario sunshine on mine too and that was i was kind of conflicted about getting it but to me, it was very difficult at the time. Yeah, same. And I, I don't, I didn't. It was the Mario I put the least amount of time in, so yeah. it was on my list for experience-wise, not for personal. Yeah, I had time. Ghost Recon One, mm. just for the significance of it being Xbox first competitive online game. Oh snap! Was uh, Ghost uh, Recon One or Ghost Recon Two set in El Paso? <laughs> uh, that was uh, basically a reboot. Uh, oh, okay. Advanced Warfighter. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, and that yeah, was yeah. a 360. Uh, okay, so okay. a couple of years later. Um, I had Sega Soccer Slam on here, which it was another one that I almost <laughs> took. Contra Shattered Soldier, which I don't know if you guys remember that one on the PS2. An incredibly hard game. The only Contra that's been released since. Um, Sly Cooper and the Thievus Raccoonus was on here. Uh, Guitaru Man, Gun Valkyrie, Sky Gunner. Who can forget Hurdy Gurdy? That was another one that I really wanted. Um but uh, no, I didn't. Oh, Mr. Mosquito. Do you guys remember Mr. Mosquito? Yeah. Yeah, that was a kind Picture, of a pervy game. <laughs> you could go into a girl's room while she was changing and bite her in the boob or something. Um, Toe Jam and Earl 3. You guys remember that one? Came out on the Xbox. Star Fox yeah. Adventures. All of these were on my list, but uh, we, Man, we only Se have five. Sega really had it out for the Xbox, right? I'm telling you, that's the reason why I went there after all. Like, it wasn't Halo. It was Jet Set Radio Future and... The promise of Toe Jam and Earl <laughs> that never materialized. <laughs> like it came out, but it wasn't great. So yeah. But um, all right, Adrian, how do you feel about your five game collection? Tony Hawk, Resident Evil it's Remake. All right. 
That's all right. I, I would have felt better if I had uh, stuck Metroid to my guns and, and trolled on Metroid Prime <laughs> a little harder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I but, think but I'm Steel happy. Battalion, though. Steel hey, Battalion. Yeah, is. you guys are coming to my house. <laughs> that. Yeah, I appreciate uh, you uh, poorhousing Rod in the first round so that I could get Rez and Eternal Darkness. The, my list played out. I got the top five of my <laughs> list, so I'm happy. Yeah, you got Rez, Eternal Darkness, Two Towers, PSO, and Vice City. So. Yeah, the only one that's not an objectively great game is Two Towers, but I love it. I was I was hoping for an NBA Street out of you. <laughs> I so. almost got. I almost had it, but there's too many other good games on this one. Yeah, it was um, yeah. I'm okay with Metroid Prime taking so much of my money yeah. just because of how much it meant to me. And I'm really happy with Jet Set Radio Future and Animal Crossing. I'm really happy with Echo. I don't care what I don't care what both of you say. It's a great <laughs> game. <laughs> and uh Time Splitters too. There, there's a multiplayer aspect of it. Um so yeah, I think that's I think the it's, steal of the draft for what? Five? Five. Yeah, yeah five that's bits. The steal of, the draft, of the auction. I think overall it's a great it's a great pick. But um yeah, I was really surprised with 2002 video game wise. I started off the list with no hopes and then I just it just hit me with like how great everything was. So yeah. Like oh wait, can I drop my license game for Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets? <laughs> <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Too late and wrong choice. Yes, kidding. <laughs> wrong choice. <laughs> um so yeah, uh thanks so much for listening. If there's a game that we missed, uh let us know. Um, but yeah, I hope you saw how great 2002 was and we'll be back next time for the 2001 draft until then. See you guys later. And thanks so much for listening. This is the irrelevant podcast network. Thanks for listening.